When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it! Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we are going to have a little bit of fun. Um, And by that I mean we're not just going to talk about football. Uh, Here's the plan. First of all, we're going to run through and just do like kind of a a mid-season power ranking of the Buffs position groups. What's been working, what hasn't, ranked from 1 to 10. Ooh, actually, now that I think of it, yeah, we're we're throwing the kicker and punter in there, too. We're throwing the kicker and punter in, too, because Cole Becker is a fun conversation. So it's actually going to be 1 through 12, and i got to figure out real quick where to slide those guys into the rankings. From there, though, um, we are going to talk about this scrimmage uh, with the, the basketball team Saturday morning. Uh, the next couple of days are going to be packed. Thursday, we've got McChesney on. Friday, we've got uh, a crossover with the PHNX Arizona guys, which should be a lot of fun. Um, and that means that our chance to talk about the basketball game, or I guess scrimmage, is right now. Um, so that's going to be pretty quick, just running through what I'm looking for. And for those of you who haven't heard, the scrimmage is going to be at the CU Event Center where they play all their games. That is Saturday morning at 1030. Uh, The Buffs football team also plays on Saturday, which I'm sure you guys have heard. Um, And that's at 130 against Arizona. So here is the move for this Saturday. You start by going to the Buffs tailgate at 930. That's an I'll be there with a bunch of beer, maybe get some breakfast there. I'm actually not sure what the All Buffs guys are cooking up. Uh, wander on over for the scrimmage at 10.30. I don't know when that en- ends. I'd guess 11.30, noon, something like that. And walk back to the tailgate, uh, get a second round of beers in, and then head to that football game at 1.30. Uh, should be just an incredible day. And I know I'm I'm getting excited again. You know, I, I was at a low point with Colorado football. As soon as you get out there, as soon as they're playing a game again, especially against a team that they should beat, as crazy as that sounds, 
um, it, it it's going to be nice. It's going to be nice to be out there. Um, but that's going to be the plan for Saturday, and that's also the plan for today's show. Um, so let's just jump in. We are doing this in reverse order because that's the way that the best lists are done. Um, and that means that starting at number 12, the worst performing position in these power rankings, I mean, it's no surprise, right? It's a quarterback. Um, we've said it all, right? There isn't too much to, to really talk about here. And I don't feel like wasting too much time talking about the things that aren't going well today because there'll be time over the course of the next couple of days to do that. But obviously there's there's a bunch of problems on this offense. And I think that you look at the most important position on the field and say, hey, if we can't get it done there, this isn't going to go well. And things have really not gone well at that position or for this offense. Um, quarterback last on the list, probably not much of a surprise. At number 11, we've got the offensive line. Again, um, we've talked about it a lot. A lot of blow-bys, a lot of miscommunications, not a whole bunch of push in the running game. Um, and to, to be fair, they've had a bunch of rotation. I actually talked to Kari Kutch today about kind of going through that process, having different guys next to him. And for him at left guard, you know, he had Will Sherman next to him last year. And he said that that chemistry was always incredible. And now this year, because of injuries and because they're, the, the plan is to rotate people and because there just isn't a clear set of tackles above the rest he's had to get used to playing with a bunch of different guys and he says that doing that over the course of a season at this point he feels better but this isn't projecting out what's going to happen in the second half of the season or like a little bit more than that because there's seven games and we're five games in um, it's just recapping what we've seen to this point and at this point the power rankings say offensive line second worst position group on the team from there things get tough from there, things get really tough. Um, and I'm actually rethinking what I have. You know what? We're going to put Cole Becker right here. The, the kickers right here. So it isn't all on him. Um, and again, we aren't projecting the rest of the season. And if we were, I'd have Cole Becker a lot higher on this list. But the truth is he's missed some kicks. And I don't know if he's missed enough kicks really to put him this low. But... You look at the numbers, and the numbers aren't pretty, and it's pretty easy to evaluate kickers, right, because you just look at those numbers. And so he's going to slide in at number 10 on this list. Next up, we're going the running backs, and this is the one that I think there's the most variation for. I kept the running backs pretty low on this list um, because I haven't been impressed. I think that there have been a couple of runs that you look at and say that's a good run and you can put a bunch of the blame on the offensive line for these guys not producing. But it's just not been... And here's the other thing. I think that I'm probably overreacting. I'm probably putting them a little bit too low just because the expectations were so high. Um, because what they did last year was so good and because they're adding Alex Fontenot on top of that group but we're going running backs here at number nine at number eight we're going with the tight ends Brady Russell you know what we're not we're going receivers here we're bumping tight ends up to the next spot wide receivers again I can't put too much of the blame on them 
in the, the very similar situation to the running backs, but the truth is they're not producing. Um, the, the fact that you can't put too much of the blame on them is why they're this high up the list, but you really can't put them up much higher just because there's there's groups that have proven themselves. Um, next up, though, like I mentioned, at number seven, with the wide receivers at eight, number seven is the wide receivers. Or sorry, the tight ends. Wow, I really screwed that up. Um, eight wide receivers, seven tight ends. And the reason is that Brady Russell had that big game. And I mean, more simply, he he had that one really long catch. And that was why I just changed my mind. Because he does have that level of production that he can point to. On top of that, I think he's been solid in the running game. I've been, to be fair, disappointed in the other tight ends. You know, I thought we'd see more of Alec Pell. Um, I thought that he would have some big plays by now with the way that the offense is working though. Again, nobody's producing big plays. And if, if you're not getting big plays out of your wide receivers or your all pack 12 running back, the odds of getting the big plays out of the second tight end on the depth chart, they go down significantly. And so I don't put that much on him. Um, I do think that, the the tight ends have been the best group on this offense, followed by the receivers and then the running backs. I think I think the running backs are the ones that you could really move anywhere. But curious what you guys think. As always, chime in in the comments because I'm curious. Um, moving into the top half of the list now at number six, we're going the safeties. Um, and and they've been solid. There's just more to be desired when you compare the safeties to the rest of this defense. Um, it is, in my opinion, the the weak link on this defense. Um, and it's not all that weak. You know, it's not like this is a bad group. It's probably just below average in the Pac-12. And you've got a lot of groups that are up, right up there in the Pac-12 rankings. It's a good defense. Um Isaiah Lewis, you know, he kind of came out of nowhere last year and was the jack of all trades that they needed. Now he is their top safety. And in terms of the best safety on the roster, again, he he isn't making those splash plays that you'd expect a player like that to make. Um, Mark Perry, still figuring things out. We talked about him a lot. A lot of tools. I think he had a a lot of tackles against USC in, in part because a lot of those tackles were seven yards downfield. And we talked to Chris Wilson today. And one of the things Chris said that stood out to me was basically that the reason that USC was running on them in the last game was that that was the game plan for Colorado or the play calling. He said, because you get to the point in the game where you say, Hey, these receivers are beating us up. We can't be letting them get big plays over the top we might need to pull somebody out of the box and and let them run and and hope that we're able to have somebody up front make a play to blow that up instead of saying, you know what, we're going one-on-one across the board and we're keying in on the run game. Um, Personally, I think in that game he was right. I think more often than not, you do need to lock the run game down first and force a team to throw and then kind of work from there. 
And to be honest, I think that he said that that's his philosophy too. Um, most most defensive coaches say something like that. Um, but in that particular game, when you see Drake London coming at you, you start bracketing Drake London, double covering Drake London, that defender has to come from somewhere. And it can't be coming from whoever their number two receiver is and just leaving him wide open. It's got to come from the run game. Um so I thought that was interesting. But still, a lot of tackles for Mark Perry in that game, and a lot of them just seven, eight yards downfield because the running back was getting seven, eight yards before there was a free defender because of just the way they were calling that game. And seven or eight might not be fair. Five or six might be more accurate. I'm not sure what the numbers actually are. Um, but still, just just waiting for either one of those guys to to take just one more step. And, and Isaiah Lewis is a, a step ahead of Mark Perry, but... Again, he's he's a veteran player, and the standards are just a little bit higher for him. Um, so yeah, that's what's up there. Um, number five, I went defensive line, and this was another tough one for me because it's not like the defensive line has been bad; it's actually been pretty good. But where does it fit in with the outside linebackers, the inside linebackers, the corners, the punter? Those are the positions that are left. Um, and, and I have them at the bottom of the list. And partially just because of those two big penalties on Terrence Lang in the Arizona State game. You know, if Terrence breaks through and gets those those third down stops, the sack, and I think the other was, was that tackle for loss? I tried to block that game out too. Um then maybe that's all it takes for them to get up to number two on this list, number one on this list maybe. But because they've had a couple of those penalties, you just need those splash plays to get high up in these rankings, and they've nullified some of them. Um, and there haven't been a lot of sacks out of this group. Um, and so that's why I slid them in here at number five. Still obviously a good group, and a group that's getting even better with Mustafa Johnson back. Um, I asked Chris Wilson if Mustafa Johnson seemed like himself today. And Chris said, no, he's knocking the rust off. It's good to have him back, and he's going to get back, but he's still knocking the rust off. And I agree. That's that's what I saw. And uh, Jalen Sami, you know, Naeem Rodman, they've made some plays. Haven't made a lot of plays, though. Terrence Lang has made more plays than them, but like I said, the penalties have nullified some of them, um, <laughs> which is not what you want. And so because of that, to this point, they're number five in the position group power rankings. But I think if I had to pick one group to rise, it's it's tough because they're already so high up there, but that might be the group. Either that or the kickers, or more specifically, just Cole Becker. Um, number four, though, outside linebackers. This is a tough one, and this is one that maybe you could flip with a defensive lineman, but... These outside linebackers have been solid in kind of a confusing way, though. Carson Wells is not anchoring this group the way that I expected him to. He's been good. He's definitely been good, but he isn't putting up big numbers like he did in the past. Um, Guy Thomas has really stepped up on the other side, and I think has been probably as good as Carson Wells at this point in the season. And the two of them combined... They've just played good football, and they've got good depth there too. And so when they rotate in more guys, they get more production um, 
out of you know Joshka, out of Jamar Montgomery, than the Buffs have been getting out of Justin Jackson or Jaden Simon. And it's not because those guys are bad. Like Colorado just has a bunch of experience at outside linebacker and a bunch of talent there too. I don't want to take that away from them. It's just a more veteran group. And that depth is a big reason why I'm uh, giving the outside linebackers the edge over the defensive linemen. Uh, the top three now, at number three, the punter, Josh Watts. It's been a really nice season for him. Um, he's He's gotten you know a, a bunch of opportunities a bunch of practice but he's been really nice um, so far this season and I think that that probably continues it's good to have a good punter it's even better to have a good punter when your offense performs like Colorado's offense has to this point in the season number two the inside linebackers and this is unlike the outside linebackers I think Nate Lamden is doing a lot of the work here um Quinn Perry has stepped up and played quite a bit, and I'm excited about him going forward. And we haven't had much of a chance to talk about Quinn Perry, um, but I see a lot of similarities to a Nate Landman. Now, expecting him to to be that going forward is, or, or next season when Nate is gone, obviously it's a stretch. But the way that he plays the run... Honestly, here's what he looks like. He looks like Nate Landman, but just always one yard back from where Nate Landman would be, or maybe two yards or something like that. But if Nate Landman's going in there and blowing up a run uh, a step behind the line of scrimmage, Quinn Perry's probably getting there at the line of scrimmage, and he's probably not going to make as decisive of a tackle. You know, he, he might give up another yard uh, on the way down. Um, and, and still, like I have been impressed by him, and I've I've liked what I've seen, even compared to what I expected from him probably this season. Um, but you know, he's Nate is the reason why this group is at the the number two spot here. Um, I'll add on top of that that. Uh, Let's see. Here, oh, I got these snap counts. So 300 total snaps for Nate Landman. That is the most of anybody on the defense. 298, 298 for Christian Gonzalez, Mark Perry. 296 for Makai Blackman. 288 for Isaiah Lewis, just in case anybody's interested. But 300 at linebacker for Nate Landman. 147 for Quinn Perry. 66 for Robert Barnes. Um, 49 for Jack Lamb. Uh, 15 for Marvin Ham. And four for Jonathan Van Deest. You know, it's interesting to see how these numbers all shook out over the course of the season. But, again, this is Nate Lamon who's doing the heavy lifting here. And I haven't been... I think a lot of people have been disappointed by Robert Barnes. I've heard some of that. Um, there was a lot of hype coming into the season. I think he's been solid. I think, I think he probably did everything that you asked him to do. He's your cover linebacker. Um, it means he's going to be out there for, I thought it'd be more, you know, what is it? 66 snaps in the four games that he's played. He didn't play against Northern Colorado. Um, and that means 17 snaps per game, about 16, 17 snaps a game. I thought that'd be more like 20 to 25. I thought he'd be getting closer to half the work than 
a third of the work. Um, but again, they use him how they use him. They play him in coverage. He's been a step away from some some plays that would have made him a big plus player. Um, but he's he's filled his role, and it's a role that somebody needs to fill. You know, without Robert Barnes there, maybe it's Jack Lamb who steps up. I don't know. But really, you Quinn Perry does what he does pretty well. You ask him to cover. I don't think you're going to be too excited by what you see. You need Robert Barnes, even if he hasn't been like this all-star type of player, at least so far. Again, there's still a whole seven games left. You, The difference between Robert Barnes and what's behind him is a big difference. You know, Sure, he isn't perfect in man coverage from the linebacker spot, but covering those tight ends and running backs, he's a lot better than I think Colorado has behind him. It's probably Marvin Ham who's next up in that role. Robert Barnes is nice. Um, that's a, that's a tough job. That's it's one of the toughest jobs on the defense is being that cover linebacker. Um, and on top of that, I mean, being the cover linebacker who's still 230 pounds. You know, sometimes you see those DBs, they'll slide in there. Might slide Mark Perry in. It's like, yeah, he'll look better in coverage, but in the run game, going to be some issues. Um, still a good group overall, but even with Nate Landman, I've got the cornerbacks at number one. Yes, the Drake-London game happened. That was more Drake-London than anything else. He's the best receiver in the country, and still, you look at the numbers, that was his fourth best game of the season, which is weird to think about, considering how dominant he was in that stretch. But these cornerbacks have been everything you could have hoped for, um, outside of being able to lock down the best receiver in the country, which you know they won't have to face again. And I don't even know who the top receiver the rest of the way is. I I don't even know. Oh, I guess Oregon. Oregon with that uh oh, what's his name? Not not Jalen Red. He's good, but Johnny Johnson the third, that's who it is. Um that'll probably be the best receiver they see the rest of the way. Just off the top of my head. I don't think I'm forgetting any of the big guys. But um yeah, with that combination of Christian Gonzalez on one side, Makai Blackman on the other, and then Makai sliding into the slot um, in those nickel packages ever since uh, uh, Chris Miller went down, with Nigel Bethel filling in on the outside for him. That's a that's a great group. That's a great group, and I, I've been impressed. I think that they are the best group on this team. I think that if Quinn Perry turns a corner. Robert Barnes starts making some big plays in the passing game. Well, then the linebackers, the inside linebackers, probably overtake him just because Nate is the best player on the team. Um, As of right now, we got cornerbacks number one. And before we get into this basketball talk, just to run through this again: number one, the corners; number two, the linebackers; number three, the punters; number four, the outside linebackers; number five. Defensive line, six, safeties, seven, wide receivers, eight, tight ends. No, we flipped those. Oh, my goodness. I ain't changing my notes. Seven, the tight ends, eight, the receivers, nine, kickers, 10, running backs, 11, the offensive line, and number 12, the quarterbacks. Uh, that'll do it there. We're about to jump into a quick preview of this basketball scrimmage on Saturday, the black and gold scrimmage. First, though. Breckenridge Brewery is the place to go for all of your beer needs. Well, 
it's a great place to go if you want to go down to the farmhouse there's food you can pick up all the breckenridge beer there but it's also not always just a place to go that was a weird way to phrase it because it's the best beer you can buy wherever you go to buy beer um, whether it's a liquor store, gas station, King Supers, basically everywhere in Colorado has Breckenridge beers. Um, and there's in 30 states also. Um, so many great options. The hard seltzers, the good company hard seltzers, have kind of been the go-to around the DMVR bar recently. Uh, just really tough to top. Um, you guys have tried seltzers. They're like the, the big new thing at this point. Um, I think that Breckenridge Brewery goes toe to toe with any of them. And to be honest, like I don't see a lot of difference between some of them. I don't want to like shout out the ones I don't like. Um, but there's like one or two that you try and you're like, well, wait, this just does not compare to the others. Um, but good company right up there with any of them. And the lemonade seltzers, those are really good too, especially because we don't have too many warm days left. Um, at least it doesn't feel like it. I haven't looked at the weather. I just know that I wore a coat up to Boulder this morning, and that was very new, very, very new, but it was like 40-something degrees when I left, and that was disappointing. Still, if you get a nice warm day, those lemonade seltzers, that's the way to spend it, um, and like I said, you need some food, go down to that farmhouse in Littleton. They've got really good food. It's a cool atmosphere, and that's also a good place to spend some of these last warm summer days. Um, also, want to tell you guys about our friends over at Solace Meds. We've got a bunch of smoking hot October deals. Um, and again, they're from the one and only Solace Meds. It's a premier dispensary. They're always hooking us up with great deals. And they have four convenient Colorado locations. One in Fort Collins, one in Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, and one that's just blocks away from the DNVR bar on East Colfax. Here are the deals this month. All of these products are 25% off. Dixie Gummies, Solace Bars, Solace Sticks, Mile High Extractions, Summit, um, 1906 Drops. And they've got uh, Halloween specials too. If you come in on Halloween or the day before, either the 30th or the 31st, the entire store is buy three, get one free. Plus, if you go in on Halloween you get a goodie bag with the purchase of $50 or more. Uh, it's a great deal. Definitely check that out. And if you head into any location, you can get a free Solace Bar or King Cone when you mention the DNVR20 code. That's any location. You get either one of those. Plus, if you head in and mention that code DNVR20, you get to receive 20% off and you get, oh, on top of that free Solace Bar or King Cone. Um you can also order head online. It makes it super convenient. You can pick everything up, head in, pick it up. It's pick it out, then pick it up. I hope that's what I said. Um, super convenient. Just go to solacemeds.com, S-O-L-A-C-E meds.com. And don't forget to use that code DMVR20 for 20% off on top of all of these other great deals. All right, before we get out of here, let's talk about the scrimmage and what are the uh, key points to watch for? What am I watching for? Because it's very different. If I were telling you, like, here are the most important things to watch for, it'd be a little bit different than what I'm watching for because, for example, I'm excited to watch Lawson Lovering play. I haven't seen him play in, like, a competitive environment in person before. Um, is that maybe the most important thing on the team or to watch for in this game? Not necessarily, but it's what I'm watching for. Um, number one, though, you've got to go with the point guards, um, whether it's 
Keyshawn Bartholomew, KJ Simpson, Julian Hammond. You know, at least two of those three guys are going to be needed to to play at a decently high level this season. And you probably need one who's going to look good. You know, Tad Boyle and and everybody else you talk to as well. But Tad Boyle has said, you know, you don't replace McKinley Wright with one guy. You've got to find a few guys who can step in and do their part and kind of piece it all together. That means probably getting production from all three of these guys just because the odds of having both of the point guards that you want to play, if that's how they, things work out, how things kind of separate themselves, they're just so slim to have them the entire season. At the very least, there's going to be five games or something where you need a Julian Hammond to step up and play well in his 10 to 15 minutes. In a perfect world, you're probably given 20 to 25 to Keyshawn. You're probably given... 15 to 20 to KJ Simpson, but you're running with some multiple point guard form or sets. And so you probably have at least 10 minutes for Julian Hammond too, so that you can play those other two together. Um, so that's where I'm at. Um, in terms of Keyshawn, obviously you just want to see a nice, clean, efficiently run offense, but the three pointer for all these guys is just so important. Um, there's a lot of ways to be a successful point guard, but if you're just knocking down shots efficiently, that goes a long way, especially if you're KJ Simpson coming off the bench. Um, but to me, I want to see those threes falling. I just want to see efficient scoring um, because I do think, as we've talked about before on this podcast, you really do need a scoring punch out of your backcourt this year. Um, you know what you have in Eli Parquet and Evan Batty, and you like what you have in those guys, but those aren't, 20-point scorers who you expect to carry the offensive load in that way. Eli is going to knock down his threes when you get him to him open. Evan is going to produce some scoring from the post, but it's not going to be a massive number. Um, so you have to look to this backcourt. Um, you've got to look to Jabari Walker, for example. and He's the number two on this list. We'll get to him in a second. Um, but it really is going to be a, a, a lot of pressure really on these young point guards to step up, whether it's Keyshawn, whether it's KJ, whether it's Julian Hammond, and that all starts on Saturday. Uh, number two, like I said, Jabari Walker. I think for this team to be to be a lot of fun, I think you need Jabari to really, really play well, um, to be uh, like an all-Pac-12 type of player. Um and to make the tournament, maybe you don't need quite that much. You know, if he's honorable mention caliber player, which is where he was picked, he was preseason all-conference all honorable mention. Evan Batty did make the preseason all-conference team. Um, I think that you just need him to be that honorable mention type if you want him or if you want to make the tournament. You need other things to go well, too, like the point guard position to go well with the young guys. Um, you need some other things as well, but... His job this year is to be honorable mention. If he does step up and become an all-pack 12 type of player, one of the dominant forces in this conference, it opens some doors because he's somebody who can go off in a tournament game and put up some big numbers there. And you combine that with you know a big year from Keyshawn Bartholomew or KJ or Lawson Lovering or who, who knows who else, one of these young guys, that's where you could start to build even more hype from there. But... If, if you're looking for a tournament run, something special happening there, 
it starts with Jabari Walker really stepping up this season. Um, and, and you want to see him take over in this game on Saturday. Sure, it's just a scrimmage, but he needs to be a force out there. He needs to be somebody you can't take your eyes off of. Um, number three, I hinted at this earlier, Lawson Lovering. He's a lot of fun. Um, listed seven foot. I actually don't know what his weight is. I think it's right around 230. Um, but he might even be a little bit taller than that. So skilled. He can make his shots. He just needs to be able to match the physicality that you see in the Pac-12 to to play strong defense um, and to kind of bully guys in the post a little bit, put that size to use. Because if he's playing like he's six foot nine, obviously that isn't nearly as appealing. But if you just know that you can get the ball to him in post and go get a bucket, that would be so big for this team. And I think at some point that's who he is. The question is just whether that's this year, next year, year after. Um, and, you know, in talking to, I was talking to Adam Munstertiger about this, and Adam was saying he thinks he's the, the favorite for most improved over the course of the season. Um, and, you know, Tad Boyle said things like, he's a sponge. He, he's a really smart kid. He's getting a lot better. He's learning things just from watching Evan play. And that's what you want to hear. Um, but how quickly does that come on? It's just a fun player to watch. When you have somebody who's seven foot plus and is as highly ranked as he was, I think that that has to be an exciting piece. Um, so those are the top three things to watch for me. That's what I'm most excited about. And um, hopefully I'll see you guys out there because we'll we'll have a squad there hanging out too. Um, I'm not sure who exactly. I guess Ryan and Allie. I've got some friends from Montana, some of whom live here now, who are going to be up there for the Arizona game. I'd guess that they'll probably be at the event center too um, because they're basketball fans anyway, but that should be a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully we'll see you guys there. Oh, need to wear a mask. Need to wear a mask for that one. Um, I'll be back tomorrow with Matt McChesney talking about the uh, Arizona game on the way tomorrow. And uh, I'll see you guys then.